Hi, I'm Marty. I'm Dave. I'm John. I'm Aaron. And this is Door 14 Hockey. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Door 14 Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Marty, alongside Dave. Hello. Hello. Um, just the two of us tonight. Um, I've obviously annoyed everybody now. Clearly. Um, the rumours <laughs> of the the rumors of the, the feud between you and John continue. Um, you know, is there actually a feud going on? Well, we'll never know because obviously you're never on together at the same time. So, yeah. I think it's just safer to keep it that way. Um, yes, no, <laughs> no, John and no, Aaron tonight. Um, both have other commitments. Um, and I we're recording a day earlier than normal. Um, so that's probably one of the reasons also why it didn't help because we had to change the date um, or the day of our, our recording this week. But um, the podcast will still go out at the usual time, um, which doesn't really make sense because you listen to this on the usual day. And now I'm just kind of <laughs> going off on a tangent. Anyway, uh, Dave, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. We are just over, or we just passed um, the here in Belfast. We we just finished um a, a, a quite a quite a, a a tense week last week, shall we say? Um, with um three games last week um in the um semi final um the final game of the semi final for the Challenge Cup, um which the Giants lost but went in but still won an aggregate score across the two games, and we also had a double header weekend in the uh, in the uh, arena uh, facing off against the Sheffield Steelers both on Friday night and Saturday night, um and now we were intense. Was it Friday night and Saturday night? Yes, it was. Uh, they were intense games. Dave, uh, what, what's your Neil what's your take on that? First proper. off, yeah, it was probably two of the toughest games I've seen um, in the Odyssey or the Odyssey. The Steelers were were yes, okay, they came out with the losses, but they were really good. It's um, it's very it's not very often that you find two teams that are so equally matched. Um, especially on the Saturday, uh, there was literally, literally nothing uh, to separate them, which I'm sure we'll be talking about. Uh, I'm sure we will be. Um, just on that, you know, obviously it was a, it was a it was a, a tense weekend for anybody who's sitting watching those games. Um, you know, I I think I sat under my jersey majority of that weekend. Um, oh, in that last game anyway. Um, I just it was just it, it was so so intense. Um, I just I, I don't want to do that again very often, shall we say? Uh, but it was our pride weekend for a number of the teams across the UK. Um, a lot of the teams um across the UK celebrated pride in various forms throughout this past weekend. Um, um, through uh, jerseys, which we talked about last week, um, and also puck t- uh, stick tape and, and a bunch of other things, and also uh, like ourselves in Belfast, um, you know, promoting and talking about uh, different char- the, the charities and stuff. Cara Friends was the ones who um, obviously benefited from the sales of the jerseys over the weekend, um, but again, they were around the arena on 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 Friday night, um, having having to have those chats and those conversations, and I really suppose promoting um, the game. Um, I also won a jersey for the first time in like sixteen years, nearly I think, since the last time I won a shirt off the back. Uh, so I am proudly wearing my uh, Mark Garside jersey tonight, um, and probably won't be coming off for the next few games anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest. Um, but no, all together great weekend and we will talk about that 
Um, as we mentioned, uh, Aaron and Dave can't be here. Aaron and John can't be here tonight. Um, but I'm sure they will uh, be back with us uh, in the near future. For um, hopefully, we'll get all four of us together for the first time since September. Quite soon, anyway. If not, it'll probably be April before we still see each other uh-huh. together. Um, Dave, let's take a look at the league then. Um, just while we're talking about the past weekend of games, but let's have a look since our last recording at where things are standing currently in our league here in the Via Play Elite League. So sitting top. Still in first place, having clinched a playoff spot with that little X beside their name, um, is the Guildford Flames having played uh, 36 games and with 59 points. The Cardiff Devils are in second with 36 games played and 65 points. Sheffield Steelers are in third with 36 games played and 53 points. Belfast Giants are in fourth with 36 games played and 53 points as well. Coventry Blaze sit in fifth with 36 games played and 45 points. Nottingham are in sixth with 36 games played and 31 points. So quite a massive difference between Coventry and Panthers. In seventh place then, Manchester Storm, 36 games played, 30 points. Glasgow are in eighth with 41 games played and 27 points. Five Flyers in ninth and Dundee in 10th uh, with 38 games played, 26 and 37, 22. Dave, um, before we hit the record on this button, you had mentioned to me already, um, Guildford sitting top of the league, um, still comfortably sitting there, um, continuing their form, but having also clinched the first spot in the playoffs, uh, having obviously nobody else can catch them within that bottom eight uh, in terms of they wouldn't, you know, obviously clearly. Um, what's your, what's, you know, obviously we've talked about the Guildford throughout the, this year. Uh, we had a chance to talk to some of the, the Sheffield fans in the arena uh, on over the past weekend and they had some interesting things to say about Guildford as well. Uh, your take in terms of that one, that first place in the playoff spot? Yeah, it's actually a really, um, it's really interesting time to review the league right now because um, it's probably the first time in quite some time where the top or most of the top eights are on similar games played um, and you're seeing a sort of a truer representation of the, the points and it it does look closer than it had done um, that whole be having the points on the board if I was Guildford I would be starting to get a bit concerned yes they've got a, a four points over Cardiff but they have to play uh, they have to play Belfast three times, and I think Sheffield two to three times. Um, and they're not going to make it easy for them. Um, that could all be. This could be a right down to the end of the season job. Um, at least that's the way I would hope it would go. Best chance for the Giants to win. Um, but it's not. Uh, I don't think it's as uh, runaway as we all thought it was. Maybe just before Christmas, um, when uh, Guildford were were riding high. Um, obviously they're still top. But that gap just seems to have narrowed ever so slightly. I know that um, Sheffield has really dropped down the numbers. They had been uh, like level peg for a while with Guildford, but we'll see how it all pans out as we as we go into the the business end of the season. Um, I think Guildford have left have a bit of an uphill battle to go, and um, we were talking about it on Friday. I think um, we're in a situation where I think the Giants have a bit of faith in their own games they don't really need to rely on other people um if they can win the remaining games and take the points from those bigger teams which we think we've got this still to play we could come out with a, a nice title if it works yeah i mean you said it right i mean um belfast do have a bit of a, a quite a tough um you know running to finish off i think whenever i was looking at the the breakdown of the games that were still to go and this is 
this past weekend before the games were played against Sheffield I think the the, the note was that um, out of all of the games I think the, the Belfast Giants still had to play I think majority the highest number of the top three teams over the course of the running for between now and March um, yeah. more than any other team so they do have a tough one coming up um, obviously this past weekend beating Sheffield twice you know in that double header obviously Sheffield did take away one point because obviously it went into overtime but taking those four points from she- against Sheffield uh, you know this past weekend must have been a huge boost it must have been a massive you know st- stamp to say this is kind of what yeah. we need to focus on this um, we obviously came off that game with Guildford Guildford against the Belfast Giants and in the in Challenge Cup semi-final. Guildford were very strong in that game. Um, they were, uh, you know, they they, they very, very rarely put their skates wrong. Um, and to the point where I kind of thought, yeah, you can see why Guildford are where Guildford are right now because they are, yeah. you know, they're really pushing, they're really dominant, they're, they're actually playing quite well. I mean, Sheffield I is a good chance. I think the chance got a bit of a, a ribbon from that game, unfairly. Um, for the the semi final, um, I think a lot of people people don't like it whenever they sort of rely on their aggregate score. But the Giants went into that game with such a a margin that I think they were sort of on the back foot in the sense of like, oh well, we just don't need to lose by four, um, you know, which has a mental aspect to it. So yeah, but then we seen the the fortunes flip when we went into Sheffield, which were arguably more difficult games um but yeah hopefully we go good greenfield the uh, sheffield netminder is something else when he's on form he was he played a phenomenal game but let's not look past the fact that that weekend was just a weekend of just goaltending like that was just pure yes. masterclass and goaltending yeah. right across the board um obviously yeah. the belfast giants went with a tandem obviously set of having whist and whistle in goals on the friday night and besco uh, in goals on saturday night and besco Whistle played out amazingly on Friday. Um, yes. oh, yeah. But Besco on Friday, for any naysayers out there, whenever Besco came back and were like, oh, he hasn't came back. Is that the same player who went away and blah, blah, blah? Come back to me now after watching that game and those three mm-hmm. incredible saves in a row uh, towards unreal. the end. Uh, it was unreal. Unbelievable. I just, yeah, just, yeah. I just yeah i don't even know what to say about that but yeah um what was interesting from those games as well is sheffield you know you mentioned it yourself you know sheffield have took a bit of a slump you know they've moved down into third they were comfortably in first and then they've moved down they were in first at one point and they've slumped down into third having been overtaken by cardiff and to the point where um ownership um of the sheffield Steelers put out a thing this week where he called in the management team of the chef of sheffield and said i'm not happy you need to put up your socks no more nights off um <laughs> so he wasn't happy with the results after Belfast. Um he thought he should take we should they should take more than one point from Belfast. Um so it just shows where, where things are going and where the heads are at the moment in Sheffield. So um look for them to kind of I suppose try and talk turn about things around. Minders. Yep. Uh talking about netminders, just check the stats there just to see. So Tyler, obviously only three games in, um, is sitting with a, a ninety-three point one eight save percentage. Um, which was just showed from that masterclass. Um, but then with uh, Whistle, 22 games, is has a 91.5, which is still fantastic. Yeah. Um, and he's really, you know, Pesco's going to have to push him to take that number one spot. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, it's been a great, um, that weekend was just fantastic. And I look forward to more. We've got a big game this coming weekend. Um, I think we've got the Flames here at home. Uh, in Belfast, I think if I'm right in saying on Saturday, just I'm double check that, so I'm right. 
Uh, yep, Guildford Flames versus Belfast Giants versus Guildford Flames on Saturday night, the fourth. So tomorrow night, when you're listening to this podcast, um, in the Belfast and the SSC Arena. So uh, yeah, if you haven't got your tickets, I'm sure you do. But that will be a phenomenal game. I'm guessing it's going to be a tough one as well. Um, so that'll be an interesting one. Um, before we move on, Dave, just looking at the other side of the table, um, just looking towards that bottom half. We talked about the fact that, like, from Coventry down to Panthers, there's a quite a large leap uh, in the pack. They both played 36 games, and there's uh, almost what's that 13 points, 14 points of difference uh, between. The those two teams um so you can i think you can clearly say that nottingham are the top of the lower end of the league this time around you know they're, they're solidified pretty much of where they are although saying yeah. that they're quite close with manchester storm they're 36 games played 31 and 30 points in between them i mean nottingham are probably in the worst situation they've been in in the entire time that i've followed the uk hockey um they and then today they just released two players, one of which I think was their top goal scorer. Um, I think it literally just there this morning. Hold on, let me find the article. How prepared I am. Um, uh, Brett. Full time, full time. Oh, <laughs> Trust me to pick the one that I can't spell or I can't pronounce. Well, Wellnack and Craig Puffer, um, who I think um, one's headed home um, for an emergency and the other one's just been terminated. Oh, um, the contract. So, oh, okay. Um, I was like, what? Oh my God, there was murder. <laughs> they were terminated. <laughs> the lives were terminated. Okay, yep. The contract so, yeah, was terminated. So, okay. so one, the contracts were terminated and one of them was returned to the US for family emergency and at this stage that's the last thing they want to see yeah. and am I right in saying that we're now past the transfer window I believe so it was the end of January I think I believe is usually yeah, the, the like last that. part um, I think they usually close off although you know it's the late league has there flexibility in that I don't know they still bring people in and out whenever there's injuries and stuff um, but we'll see how it goes but yeah that's they're in a situation now where they're um, down bodies and I'm struggling so we will talk about the bottom three teams Glasgow, Fife and Dundee in a few minutes in period one because obviously there there's a story involving the three teams in period one so hold we'll hold the thoughts in our chat about the bottom three in terms of Glasgow and, and Fife particularly um, and we'll, we'll pick it up in period one um, Dave we'll move across the water um, quickly and look at the NHL and just look at the standings in terms of um, where things are um, in terms of where today um, <clears throat> so looking at the eastern side of things in the Metropolitan Division Sitting top top place in, in first place is Carolina with fifty games played and seventy four points. New Jersey sit in second with forty nine games played, sixty eight points, and the New Jersey New York Rangers sit in forty ninth or sit with forty nine games played and sixty two points. Sitting in third, we will come back to New York Rangers in period two because they have hit the headlines as of today uh, for interesting reasons. Uh, looking at the Atlantic side of the Atlantic Division, Boston still sitting first with fifty games played and eighty one points. Toronto sit in second with fifty one games played 70 points and Tampa are in third with 48 games played 65 points wild card spots if the elite league was to finish today for the Stanley Cup playoffs would be Washington and Pittsburgh uh, across the water then over the side of the other, oh, sorry across the other side of the country not the water uh, the western side and the central division uh, Dallas sit top with 51 games played and 66 points Winnipeg are in second with 52 games played 65 points and Minnesota are in third with 48 games played and 54 
eight points. Pacific Division is Seattle sitting top with 49 games played, 63 points. Los Angeles move up into second with 53 games played and 63 points. And Vegas drop into third with 51 games played and 62 points. Uh, Wildcard spots in that side are held by Edmonton and Colorado. Um, As I said, Dave, we will be talking about um, the New York Rangers in period two. Um, Not much change. Um, Things are still kind of you know, sticking kind of where they are from our last recording. Um, teams are kind of still sitting, the teams that we were talking about in the last podcast are we're pretty much talking about again this time. The only difference being that Pacific division, the the che- how things have kind of switched around a bit. We've got Seattle sitting top there, which um, is phenomenal. You know, obviously their first, yeah. they, they were, a lot of people were questioning their first se- their first season and, and the difficulties they had in their first season in, in terms of they didn't have really have a good run of it. And I think the, one of the big problems was that Vegas factor in terms of the last team to come into oh, the league yeah. was Vegas. And so they had big boots to fill. Um, but this year, Seattle have kind of seems to have settled and kind of really put their mark on things and have kind of find, find form. Um, totally have, yeah. Any thoughts before we move on? One thing that uh, this is something that I, I see every now and again, and it's one of my uh, bugbears with the current system, um, is Edmonton. So Edmonton Oilers sitting there on the first wild card spot in the Western. Yep, sixty points. Right, sixty yep. points. Minnesota Wilds have a third space spot in the Central. Yep, because obviously Edmonton's in the Pacific. And they would have to fight in. So they there's a there is a theoretical chance that someone could go through that um so say both the uh people could be from the Pacific Division and they might not you know, people might not get through even if they have higher points than say the Pacific people in the central. And it's where I go back to the old um just division top eight um structure that it used to be i think it worked a bit fair yeah um but it's just one of those things and i've noticed it a few times i had the wilds actually been in this situation before um they have been in the first wild card spot with a similar stat and you're just looking at it and it just makes you you're sitting going if i was the eminent orders i would be a bit concerned sitting there and then not you know there's a chance you could have the points but not make it yeah it's an interesting dynamic it's, it is an interesting concept when you think about it when you take a look that a team maybe that has maybe floundered a bit more as you say not not, not i don't mean that but you know a team that maybe hasn't been <laughs> achieving as well yes, i don't mean to sound the way i'd say it but what i'm saying is you know a team that maybe hasn't been um maybe as on form shall we say um and hasn't been getting the points but could still go through easier if that makes sense than i know i know it doesn't really matter because either way you're going to get through if you're in the top two but there is a theoretical chance that someone who's maybe sitting in a third place um on that on that table who has more points um yep. just won't get through but that someone who has less points does get through i know it's an, it always it, i always find out quite interesting and i wonder how many times across that's a question i'm gonna have to try and put out to someone else to have a look for uh, i wonder how many times that has happened where you've had teams who have had significantly less um points at the end of a season have just moved through under the stanley cup um over a team who has had maybe significant like maybe five eight tw- 12 points more down to be 12 but like at least five to eight points maybe slightly higher yeah it's interesting yeah, it would be interesting to see and then especially with it being Edmonton you know they've always they've always been the bridesmaid never the bride if you know what I mean so <laughs> we will be talking about obviously NHL in the third period um, but they are going on a, a break this weekend for the um 
for the All-Star Weekend. So we will talk about that in period two of hockey. Um, Dave, I think that's us for just a roundup of mm-hmm. everything that's happening around the league. Um, so let's get stuck into our period one of hockey. Okay, period one is a roundup of, of all the hockey news from around the UK. Um, Dave, only have a couple of ones in this period, um, but I'm going to start off first off with... The story that's been going around, I suppose, or the, the kind of thing that's been going around um, for, for here in Bell or here in Northern Ireland, uh, or not Northern Ireland, in the UK, I should say, um, is the fact that we also, um, as I just mentioned, the, the NHL are going on hiatus this weekend in terms of they're taking a break for the All-Star weekend. But the Elite Ice Hockey League is going to be also taking a, a break um, the weekend of the, I think, is it the 10th and 12th? So that that valentine's weekend there'd be a pause yep. in the season for an international break um which we'll talk about in period two um team gb will be taking part in a european hockey tournament as part of that international break uh which means that a number of the players from the teams right across the, the elite league will be uh, representing gb um as part of that um one of the things that was decided, I think, maybe a while back initially, um, and I think it was maybe decided between the three teams in Scotland, was this idea of the three Scottish Elite League sides taking part in a cup competition. I'm, I think it was being dubbed the Scottish Cup. Um, and the plan was that Five Flyers, Glasgow Clan and the Dundee Stars would uh, face off um, on fixtures across Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Um, and the idea would be that there'd be a, a mini tournament <coughs> for the players. However, this week, the clan have announced that they won't be icing that weekend and instead have decided they're going to focus on their push for the playoffs. So if you remember, I said, Dave, there about um, whenever we were talking about the, the, the league standings and how things were, you've seen at the bottom there, the, top, the bottom three, you've seen Glasgow particularly and Fife quite close hand in hand, just on that border between eighth place and ninth place. You can see the reasons, I suppose, why Glasgow have made this decision in terms of let's keep bodies healthy, let's keep people um, tired, you know, let's keep people, give people a break, um, healthy bodies so we can keep that running. I mean, do you think this is, I suppose the one thing was that um, they should note that is that Dundee and Fife have decided to still go ahead with a couple of games, friendly games over that weekend. Um, So the question is, Will this pay off for Glasgow in that, you know, having that rest is a rest vital for them in terms of just kind of getting across that last part for that playoff spot? Are Fife shooting themselves in the foot given the fact that they have, you know, a game, the two games coming up? Um, I think this is, is this pre-Challenge Cup semi-final as well? Poss- possibly Challenge Cup semi-final weekend, you know, <clears throat> what's your thoughts? Yeah, it's, it's a, I can understand why they're doing it because any additional revenue that comes into those clubs is vital um, come the end of the season. Um, I totally get why Glasgow's doing it, letting their guys rest up for a bit. Um, there's, if I was Fife and Dundee, you would be going to your um, affiliate teams, you know, your junior uh, ranks um, for these friendlies and letting you know, your bigger names all rest up. You'll get your second string netminder out, get a couple of guys that are, you know, um, playing for like, see if we can get some of the Kestrels to play up and the Comets and stuff, you know, and um, mix them in with some of their more uh, veteran Brits that haven't been called up to the to the international break, you know, and use it as a, a bit of a training exercise um, rather than a, a crazy competitive game. 
Um, so that way you're getting the best of both. You're getting the extra gate. You're letting your stars um, rest. And then the you're also getting the guys who don't get an awful lot of ice time getting them ice time. Um, and if they're walking away with a, even if it's a, you know, uh, a token bit of silverware, it's something they can put in their you know, dressing room. You know, it sounds crazy, but I would say that for, especially for Dundee, who are their biggest chance will be to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if they walk away and have a bit of, even if it's just a bit of tin, they can put up in their dressing room. It proves that they can win, you know, may it be just against Fife, but it's, you know, it's just one of, it's like the whole Aladdin Cup or thing where they used to do at the start of the season and the charity shield way back in the day, you know, and it was all to do with getting your hands on something at the start of the hey, start of the year. Hey, um, um, <laughs> keep it clean. Um, last, <laughs> our last episode went a bit off the rails. Let's keep it clean. Um, I, I guess, I suppose, yeah, I think, personally i think and i think um i can't talk for john um obviously he's not here but i'm kind of getting the sense from john's uh messages to us during the week um he was the one that that sent this this story through and had mentioned about the fact well he had mentioned mostly because the fifa put out a special valentine's jersey just like most of the teams have done which uh, maybe we'll put up in the next podcast recording um which majority of them are quite vomit inducing i know it's valentine's but like literally it's vomit inducing um but fife obviously put that out and they said you know obviously we'll still continue with the games over that weekend 15 pounds per ticket per adult and i think john was saying and i think which is quite clear from um comments on twitter was people were just like you know are you joking is somebody actually smoking crack in the office um it was one once one post said is someone actually smoking crack in that office um i, I think a lot of people were saying 15 pounds for a mid-season friendly for against a team that they've played a ridiculous number of times already this season um and also the fact that like they a lot of fans saying that they agree with what the clan have done in terms of coming out because our just deciding to pull out and withdraw from those games for that the whole idea of keeping bodies to, um keeping bodies you know rested and stuff i guess fight's argument was that well actually what we want to do is we want to keep the boys warm because we've got that big game against sheffield on uh wednesday um we want to make sure the boys are ready for it we want to give them um, enough practice and enough time to actually do that and the only way you can get that practice through is to properly do it through um i suppose through a game a realistic game although they'll be shooting themselves in the foot if they do develop any injuries across that weekend which hopefully they do not do um we obviously want to see fife succeed um going into that because obviously oh, yeah. they're they're winning they won that first uh that first leg in the challenge cup um so we do want to see them succeed in that second part um it's an interesting it is an interesting take um and i think personally i think um clan have made the right decision in this case um but as you say yourself dave i suppose you know that revenue does help in the long run um and I do think the price is a bit extreme for a friendly. Like, um, they should have just done like you know, ten or yeah, five or seven pound something. You know, yeah, just to get people in. If it's two games, they should have just done like a, you know, twenty quid for the whole weekend for the two week two games over the cross of the weekend. Something as a gesture. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think fifteen pounds is quite an extreme uh, amount for that for that for that game. Um, 
but we'll see what happens from that. Um, sticking with Glasgow, just because I just wanted to mention this before uh, we moved on, is obviously Glasgow clan. Um, there are as part of they've made the decision to obviously pull out of that chat that that game. Um, but what they um something they have put out today. Um, and again, this is another fundraising. Um, another fundraising shout out. Um, uh, obviously last last podcast we talked about the fundraiser that was being done by the business of Bison. Um, for their player who had um sadly got a quite significant injury. Um during the play um this week we're just highlighting the fundraising that is going on at the glasgow clan um young a young lady called alex um, matland who is fundraising for lymphoma action um after she was diagnosed with cancer she's 20 years old and she is a nurse um or she's learning to become a nurse or she's training to become a nurse so the home game against the manchester storm on sunday february 19th at the brayhead arena will raise money for lymphoma action uh the clan players will be wearing a limited edition hockey jersey that has specifically been designed by uh and by, to, to promote alex's funders and efforts and then the f- fans can bid to own the tops uh the shelf back then will be auctioned post-match and all profits will go to lymphoma action charity um there's also going to be a bucket collection at Dorena during the game and information leaflets on hodgkin's lymphoma will be handed out to raise awareness about the disease and its early symptoms um so if you are in around edinburgh or sorry glasgow for those games um please um give generously and um we look forward to seeing these uh one-off exclusive jerseys because you know us here at door 14 hockey we love a good jersey um so there we go um next one quickly again um this is just quick uh this past weekend was a milestone for a, another player in the uh, via play elite league uh, and that comes in the form of mark richardson from the cardiff devils having registered his 1000th game uh, across the elite ice hockey league since its inception um so that's not including obviously anything before that so elite league in its inception in the early 2000s um he was honored then at the game in, uh, in dundee with a bottle of whiskey and a quick uh, and a pre-game ceremony to mark the landmark achievement and he is is a one only one of three people to have done this so there's only three people who have have uh, this, have reached this milestone and the other two are jonathan phillips and matthew myers um i think we'll agree and and it's funny uh dave i think you'll agree the players names that we just mentioned there are players that we constantly always like oh, can they still be yes. is he still, are still in the league? we said that what? on was it friday we were like seeing Jonathan Phillips, like, what are you to see now? <laughs> yeah, Jonathan, so, yeah. When he skated over that one point, I think it was was it the was it was it the part, somewhere near the puck drop at the start of the game? I think it was, and yeah. he skated over because he had his helmet off and and the the ball spot in the back. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Jonathan. Uh, but you do. Uh, it was just like whenever you see him, it was just like it was a moment of just like whoa, okay, yeah, we've been coming too long that yeah, yeah okay mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah um so yeah uh congratulations on thousand games and um you know it's a massive achievement and well done for that um what else i think one more thing before we round off uh, and go into our penalty box segment for this period dave um sorry i feel like i've been talking quite a lot for this um but <laughs> if you remember correctly uh if you remember back last podcast i believe it was yeah, correct me if i'm wrong good. uh in our last podcast um john wasn't here either for that podcast but during the podcast we were discussing the fact that um the five flyers had put out to say that the game against the uh coventry blaze uh, the other week that was played was the first time in 85 years that a game in fife arena or fife for fife i suppose for the team itself uh it was the first time in 85 years that a game went uh nil nil 
into overtime and they won in overtime after a nil-nil game which got us talking about the fact that like you know well got Aaron uh, talking and got Aaron thinking well, he put the, posed the question of what do you think has been the Giants or what about other teams do you think nil-nil is is quite you know doesn't happen too often and we talked about the NHL and about how it's not very very common doesn't happen too often but thankfully um this past weekend we've seen exactly that in the um ice in the SSA arena in Belfast on Saturday night which seeing the Giants uh with the fourth time where they had a nil-nil draw and then winning after regulation uh or yeah winning overtime uh penalties uh Three times the Giants have went on to win. Sorry, three times was win through uh, shutout, and the other was declared a tie because obviously it was must have been must have been a cup game or something like that. Uh, but all four games have been against the Sheffield Steelers, and that information comes directly from uh, Davy uh, from a few from the bridge. So Davy, thank you for posting that on Twitter because that was a question we had been trying to find out what was what the what the statistics were so uh thank you very much and we thought we'd just update everyone here um with that information dave dave i mean like you know significant difference you know car uh you know yeah. five flyers 85 years belfast giants have done it four times and they've only been around for just over 20 odd years i mean 25 years but like you know that's significantly it different is. yeah and um the fact that it comes down to the Steelers is a but I wouldn't have, uh, no way I would have said that either. Like it's unreal, and uh, obviously that comes down to um, goaltending. Whenever you think about it that way, it has to be, um, and it's the obviously that must be the Sheffields and the Giants' go-to area. So I wonder, I wonder how many times that was Jody Lehman for Sheffield. In a way, mm, I don't know. Chuck it up. Check it up. Um, yeah, maybe that's another question. All these questions we're never going to get the answers to. Um, we'll, we'll just wait for someone else to put the information out now and be like, oh, there we go. We just talked about that. So we'll wait and see. Um, Dave, um, I don't think I have any more stories for this period. No, nothing for me either. Perfect. So what we'll do is we have got two penalty box, so I'll just move on to our penalty box segment for period one. Okay, we've got uh, two stories to talk about in the penalty box. Now, I should mention from the start that these both these penalties have been served. Um, but I wanted to bring them up. Um, well, one of them was for, um, obviously, an, an, an obvious reason, um, um, which I thought we mentioned because it was against. It was the Sheffield um, game, um, the Friday night's pass game on Sheffield. And then, obviously, yeah. then it was it, it followed through on to the Saturday game. On Friday night in Belfast, Sheffield Cedars forward, Brandon McNally was assessed an instigator penalty, um, instigator minor penalty, a major penalty for fighting, and a game misconduct penalty. So two minor, five major, and 20 game misconduct. Uh, upon automatic review of the situation, the appropriate on-ice penalties were assessed by McNa- to McNally in the situation. The rules of the play are clearly defined in the WIHF rulebook and the Elite League casebook as follows. 46.3 instigator, blah, 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 fines and suspensions. So what they've said is a player who's deemed to be the instigator or aggressor of any altercation in the final five minutes of regulation time or any time in overtime shall be suspended for an additional game. Uh, effective immediately, Sheffield Steelers Brandon McNally is fined and suspended for one game. And that incident then was reviewed and that meant he missed the second game in Belfast. Um, Dave, get your thoughts on this. Unfortunately, I missed a good chunk of this and what actually happened. Um, I tried my best to watch it, but um, I was got kind of distracted. I was going to have to pick something up on the bridge. And I got <laughs> talking to... Um, three Sheffield Steelers fans on the bridge who were visiting Belfast for the first time and obviously they were um, not as maybe as invested in the game as maybe as what others were at that point um, because I think the Giants had literally just put a, a goal in I think um, yeah 
and were just ahead whenever this all kicked off. I mean, we said it ourselves the the whole weekend, the whole Friday, and even into Saturday. Um, we'll talk about the iPad in a minute. Um, but the whole game was just the the atmosphere was tense. It was yeah, it, it was playoff playoff hockey. Like it was um as uh, as intense as an elite league game gets. You know, it's um it was really uh sort of nail biting stuff we said earlier. But at the end of the game, the Sheffield just let the the frustration bubble over, um, and Brandon made a uh, Brandon McNally made a bit of a silly um, sort of reaction to the Giants having really at that stage on the Friday got the extra goal and pretty much put it to bed and just got his frustration bubbled over, and it was. He took a. He started to fight. Can't remember who it was with, but ended up. We ended up with um, uh, two fighting penalties. His instigator penalty, and a third man in, um, which I think was real. I think um, from memory. So it just all went a bit manic. And then what Dobbs did is they re- basically ruled the all the steps back to see who started it. And Brandon McNally was the instigator. Therefore, he got the penalty. There, I forgot the game ban, um, and it's it's fairly fairly cut and dry, and that rule's been in there for for some time now, um, and it's just to stop uh, unnecessary fighting at the end of a game, um, whenever a game's done, you know. So, um, yeah, just a there was going to be, I'm sure you agree that game you felt like there was going to be some sort of fight or altercation because everyone was on a knife edge, I think, um, massively. And it just exploded at the last, I think it was maybe three or four uh, fights all at the same time, you know, but like all in one go. Um, and uh, yeah, just a fairly, fairly cut and dry one. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. Cut and dry. And I think it was quite a simple one, obviously, for uh, it's in there in the rule book. It says, states it. I think it was cut and dry and it's clear and it's easy enough to understand. And I think you're right. The, the whole way through that game, there's just this real sense of bubbling over that something was going to happen. Then there's a real sense of anticipation of something was going to happen on the ice. You could just feel it. And even in the crowd between the fans, like it never really got ugly, shall we say, between fans. There was a bit of an altercation. Something incident, an incident happened in the second game on the yeah. second night, which was a bit of a silly mistake from a, a Belfast giant, a young Belfast giants fan a, a girl with a flag and some silly movements that she made and it caused a bit of a uh, as i've seen and... people saying could you imagine a flag causing trouble in <laughs> never <laughs> never flags don't what no um but you know that's not that what happened there that at the tail end of that game from a fan you know, take away from the fact that what actually was actually been a was actually a really great atmosphere between fans of that weekend i think um seeing like uh, we were we obviously said over behind you know on our side over towards the the west stand in terms of towards um boomerang corner if anyone knows what that is um but we were looking over towards the south stand and there's a young lad who we talked about him before i think were who kind of gives the vancouver green men a bit of a run for their money uh yeah. he's a he's really fun um anytime there's a penalty um anytime there's a, um, a power play for the belfast giants he's up and he's dancing and he's giving it his all in front of the players in the in the box and the the banter that he had with the the sheffield steelers fans and even at the end of the game seeing one of the sheffield steelers fans coming down and actually them hugging and you know like having a bit of banter with each other was just great and that was the kind of that's the kind of environment we want to see um 
and and yeah um long may i continue that way um but it was a uh, intense i did joke around about the ipad breaking um thing did you see that about mm. um sheffield Sta- i read Sheffield it but i didn't see Aaron the Fox. so I, I seen something happened on the um on the bench and i heard lo- i heard loads of fans behind the bench going doing the doing the, the classic Belfast you. you um and i was like i was wondering what it was but turns out iron fox had taken the ipad that he had and just kind of smashed it he was in so much anger at one point over the ref's decisions um so uh it would be interesting if we could see that feed uh, back if you could watch that back in any way but i'm sure belfast didn't have any cameras there at the time um looking at the other dops decision and again the reason why i'm bringing this up dave is this is an interesting one I want to first off draw your attention to the date of when this was published. So this was um, a suspension for um, Cardiff, Defe- Cardiff Devils defenseman Mark Lewis, uh, who was assessed a major and a game must- misconduct for fighting. Now, um, it was automatic review of a major penalty assessed to Lewis and the initial hit on the play it was determined that Lewis had left the player's bench for the purpose of starting an altercation. In the rulebook, it was clearly defined in the WHF and the Elite League casebook that a player who was the first or second player to leave the player's bench during an altercation or for the purpose of starting an altercation from either or both teams shall be assessed a game misconduct penalty. Effective immediately, Cardiff Devils uh, Mark Lewis is fined and suspended for three games for the incident and will remain on the player's record um, for the remainder of the 2022-2023 season. The Cardiff Devils head coach, uh, uh, Brody DuPont, is fined and warned about future conduct of his team and being able to control his bench. And the incident has been recorded on DuPont's record as well for the remainder of this season. The initial hit on this play did not raise the level of supplementary disciplinary. However, the Elite League's Department of Player Safety has noted that a major penalty and game misconduct should have been assessed on the play, regardless of the call or no call on the ice it is never permissible f- to leave the player's bench for the purpose of starting an altercation um now the three games itself obviously this was dated m- sunday the 8th of january my question for you dave is did you see the date when this was published yeah it's crazy why did it take almost two weeks for a incident that happened um two weeks prior for it to be released on the elite league website as an official statement and, and official dops ruling did he serve as did he serve as ban before the article's released? Or? Well, this is the question. This is what I don't know. There's no indication if he had served the three games. Now, I need to go back and see um, if if the Car- if Cardiff has something up in relation to when he served this penalty or whenever they put it out. Um, but I just find it interesting that the Elite League, that the uh, Dops had reviewed this such so late on. And if it had been that the game was on the 8th and they didn't release this or didn't say, the, the Dops didn't review this until the 20th of January, which was la- which was two, week- two weeks ago, uh, or a week and a half ago why such a long wait between when the incident happened and that's t- almost two weeks there was another weekend of games in between that weekend of, of 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 when the incident happened so i don't know if he served the three games at that point or if three games were served from friday from that official point from friday whatever uh is that because normally the way it works and normally what we're under our understanding as fans is that once the adopts puts it up on the Elite League website, that is the same day that the teams have been notified of the DOPS decision in relation to any decision that's been made in relation to suspensions or whatever else. So your under, my understanding would have been that it would have been three games from Friday, January 20th, which would have meant that was that weekend and then last weekend. However, yeah. I don't know. There's no indication. Um, and I kind of just wondered why DOPS at this point began. Why do DOPS do anything? We, we ask it every yeah. year. Um, but this is an interesting one and I kind of just want to get your thoughts yeah. on that. Yeah, the, there's not. I had a quick look on the Cardiff's website. There's nothing on listed in their news. Um, if he hasn't served them already, and this is just a admin error, 
that they maybe forgot the announcement or something, but they had informed Card of Devils. If he's already served it, that's fine. But if he hasn't served it, that means, in my opinion, any results. If I was a team that had to play Cardiff and he was on the ice, you'd be going, what on earth? What the hell's going on here? Yeah. Um, uh, it's, no, I don't like it. Whatever that's, that's the only thing we want. There's uh, three things we want from Dops. Be consistent, which they aren't. And be on time, and obviously they're not. <laughs> oh, Dops. Dops. <laughs> they don't, they're, uh, uh, one thing I have to say to them is um, they're a million times better than what it was before, um, where just nothing was ever done. Um, back in the day, um, we had the early days of the elite league. You never heard about player bans unless they, you know, literally went off the ice and beat up somebody, which, which you know, happened, happened. <laughs> <laughs> several times. Um, yes. Anyway, um, I think that's it, Dave, um, for this period. Um, so if you're happy enough, what we'll do is we'll get stuck into our period two of hockey. Hello and uh, welcome to period two of hockey, where we'll talk about hockey from everywhere outside of the United Kingdom, with a probably with a big focus on the uh, NHL. Um, I'll start off this week um, period two just with a on a bit of a somber note. And um, this week, um, Hall of Famer Bobby Hall has passed away, at the age of eighty-four. Um, obviously, um, had a huge contribution. Um, in the NHL's golden years, um, and was uh, instrumental, I think, in part of the um, World Hockey World Hockey League um, with Gordy High. Um, and obviously, it's sad news when someone passes away. Um, and uh, that, that yeah, I don't know they were playing with family and all that does. Yep. Um, one hundred percent right, Dave. Um, obviously, uh, any time that a, pa- a player does pass away, we always give a shout out and uh, stick tap to those players, um, um, and their families and and people who have been affected by the loss. Um, as you say, there's no, you know, Bobby Hull has, you know, notoriously well known playing fifteen seasons for the Blackhawks. Um, he's a franchise career leader. Um, scoring six hundred and four goals. Um, uh, ranked first there. Um, game winning goals ranked first. Um, number most number of hat tricks ranked first for the Chicago, for Chicago Blackhawks. Um, and in total the fifteen game fifteen seasons he's seen a twelve time All Star, two time Hart Trophy winner. Um, and yeah, he'd be sadly missed by the world of hockey, shall we say? Um. Where we kind of had a chat about this, Dave, just before we came on her, and you know, obviously, um, he is a massive name within the world of hockey in terms of his commitment and his in his dedication and and what he means to hockey, and um. I think you'll read stories. Anybody who who's re, who does read stories over the coming days, um, about. Bobby, you know, will it'll be hard not to see? And we we talked about whether or not we should mention, but you know, it's worth just kind of saying, you know, he. You don't, we don't excuse it. You don't excuse anybody's behavior or how they are as people, you know, in terms of, you know, what they've done is what they've done. And it's always noted. But whenever someone passes away, we don't want to forget about those things. But sometimes, you know, you know what the player has, the, what the player has done for the, for the world of hockey. And because we are hockey fans, we just felt it was appropriate to kind of mention it because we know that he has a bit of a, you know, over the last number of years, there's been a few allegations being put out there against him in terms of domestic violence and a couple of other bits and pieces. So we, you know, it's hard not to look past it because obviously some of the stories are dominated by that at the moment, but we still felt that it was right to do in terms of just mentioning um, his passing because it is a significant loss to the world of hockey. Um, 
Sorry, Dave, didn't mean to take over there, but like, I just wanted to mention that just because <laughs> we did talk about it. Yeah, no, that's no problem. Um, yeah, totally agree. Um, yeah, um, that's that piece. And we'll move on. And what I'll do is I'll hand it over to Marty for a few pieces. Yep. So I have three pieces to talk about, Dave, just in this part. Um, we'll start off just with the with the first one because we had already mentioned it earlier. Well, we've mentioned two of the pieces already. We've mentioned all three pieces actually already, but we'll talk about the first one. Just And that is this um, upcoming. We talked about it obviously uh, in the UK. We we're going to be seeing a, a break in play for the European or a European um, competition for Team GB uh, international break uh, but this coming weekend the NHL All-Star weekend takes place in Florida um, this coming weekend which is February the 3rd and 4th so um, as you're listening to this podcast um, we will be Friday if you're listening to the podcast on Friday it is tonight uh, is the first part of the NHL All-Star weekend uh, and it is live from um, Florida from live live arena i think it's called in florida um so the festivities will kick off uh, with an all-stars skills competition um on the friday night um this will take a form of a splash shot which is a unique event which is set to take place in the beat on the beach in lauderdale four teams of two players will be required to hit targets and attempt to dunk their opponent in water tanks the team to dunk their opponent first wins the single elimination tournament uh next up we have pitch and puck uh the only sport nhl players may love more than hockey is golf and florida is the perfect setting six players will face off on a par four hole with an island green uh using only p- both pucks and balls to achieve the lowest score and the who be declared winner for the whoever gets the lowest score as part of that again another brand new competition for this all-star weekend um this is the reason why i wanted to talk about the all-star weekend because of these really mm. random skills tournaments they're putting in this year um tandy tandem which is uh goalies will be getting more love for this year's all-star skills competition uh there's going to be an introduction of what they call an tandy tandem uh all eight all-star goalies will compete in teams of two with one taking part in the shootout and the other tending the goal the shooter will take a shot from designated spot on the ice and accumulate points based on where he places the puck in the net based on how well the, sco- the shooting goalie does his counterpart in the net will face another skaters in a shootout if the goalie in net makes a save his team earns full points for the round the game continues every until every puck is shot and the tandem with the most points wins sounds a bit complicated so you might have to watch that one to kind of get a bit more of an understanding of how that works the first two are quite easy um the other ones that we are used to though um will be returning uh five fastest skater it's in the title whoever can skate the fastest last year's winner uh was a time of 13.55 seconds which was uh jordan crew um while conor mcdavid is tied with mark garter for the most wins in this event the hardest shot uh is also in there um which is a the hardest possible shot from 30 feet away from the net last year's one was won by victor hedman who um reached the target of 103.2 miles per hour however sedino chara does own the all-time record with a shot of 108.8 miles per hour what a shot and that was in 2012 uh we also have the breakaway challenge which uh we'll see each contestant will get a shootout attempt to impress a panel of judges um and they'll earn a score from one to ten um, so this is the the points as normal last year's was crowned by alex paturngong who won the event last year with 64 points and the accuracy shooting then is the last one which uh, again similar to previous years participants will be tasked with hitting four styrofoam targets placed in the corners if you've played nhl the game you know exactly what this accuracy shooting is about um because you do it as part of your um your training part in nhl game uh sebastian who won the event in 2022 with a time of 10.93 seconds 
So that is the uh, skills competition. Some people argue that the skills competition is actually the more fun part of the weekend. Dave, I don't know about you. What are you what's your thoughts in terms of the... I, I really love the skills. Um, it's one of the things I, tune, I usually try and tune in for if I'm going to watch it. Not a bit. The All-Star Games good, good banter. You know, I have a couple of All-Star jerseys as well. And, uh, you know, it's it's always a bit of fun. But the literally the skills is a bit of fun, um, and the players seem to love it, um, and the the they all get into it, which is really good, uh, and you do get to see stuff, like so the uh, breakaway or uh, is it breakaway? Mm-hmm. They have breakaway break, they do breakaway challenge, yeah, yep. And it's <laughs> it's not just about the breakaway; it's sort of like um, you know, like the freestyle and uh, skateboarding or snowboarding, yep. where they try and show off a bit, you know. Um, and it's it's always you always see the weird wonderful ones you be shots through the legs and all and, and whatnot class um i 100 I, uh it's always great to see kind of who what unique things someone has come up with like between carrying the puck and spinning around and some of the amazing some of the amazing goals we've seen practice that those have ever actually seen it in real life at games so it's always good yeah. to watch but the first the first three uh competitions this year the first the three new competitions this year look pretty interesting so uh, i'm intrigued about tuning in to see those and I, I agree with you dave i'll be watching the friday night um while i don't mind the all-star game i still find that the, the those challenge games or the the skills competition on the first night always tend to be a bit more fun and uh, you do see stuff that you don't normally get to see from these really high skilled players speaking of the all-star game for anybody who is new to hockey or new to the NHL and isn't aware of how the All-Star Game how the All-Star Weekend works the All-Star Game uh, features four teams from each of the divisions uh, and it's a three-on-three style tournament with the winners of each semi-final game battling out for a one million dollar prize and championship money um, each team then includes nine skaters and two goalies uh, the rosters have been drawn and the rosters are out there um, I don't want to run through I'm not going to run through every single roster because that would take us a while to do um but we will post them up so you can see them um the only one that i know who's representing the uh maple leafs this year for for us is mitch marner is the only toronto maple leaf to um make it onto the roster for the atlantic division um the atlantic division is going to be coached by uh, head coach jim montgomery from the boston bruins um cross to um philadelphia flyers because obviously it's um Aaron's team uh, Philadelphia has one player on the roster from the Metropolitan Division coached by Rod Brind- Brindamore from Carolina Hur- Hurricanes and that is Kevin Hayes and if we look at the uh, Central Division um, so that's both for, for yourself Dave and also for John and Nashville Predators uh, Minnesota Wild are being represented by Kirill Krapersov is that the new kid is that that young kid who's been doing it's the young kid yeah, yeah. he's a beast He's he's been having an absolute beast. fantastic season this year. Um, yeah. I can see why he's been added to this roster. Um, the head coach there is going to be Peter De Boer, uh, De Boer from Dallas Stars, and obviously Nashville are being represented by um, I don't even know how to say the first name. You Saros. I can say Saros, but I don't know how to say his first name. Yeah. We'll say Hugh. Uh, we'll just call him Hugh. Hugh Saros. We'll call him that. We'll give him a new name. <laughs> um, so that'll be an interesting one. Um this weekend so if you are interested that'll be the saturday night will be the all-star game on the saturday night um okay um let's move on to our next story this is a bit more of a, a serious story um and this kind of the story Dave, as i was mentioned to you in the warm-up part has kind of dominated the story in the headlines since the since the weekend shall we say um we talked 
in our last episode about the incident, inc- incident, shall we say, in inverted commas, that happened as part of the Pride Night celebrations in Philadelphia, in which, in which one player from Philadelphia had made a decision based on religious beliefs and religious background that he couldn't take part in the Pride Weekend. Uh, so, or, or taking part in obviously the warm up and the, and the jersey and the and the stick tape, um, and which he was defended um, by you know Tortorella in terms of saying you know what he I I you know I honor the fact that he has strong beliefs and a strong commitment, and therefore I back him for the decision that he's been made. Uh, some people are now arguing that because of that. Um, that that kind of let the floodgates open in terms of other teams then deciding that it was okay um for them to opt out of um the pride uh weekend or the pride part of um of of the nhl weekend or the pride pride celebrations this past weekend the new york rangers uh have come under fire from the whole of the hockey world um for deciding to not just one player um, opting out, but the whole team, for some reason, without any real indication why, uh, decided to change plans and opt out of wearing Pride Night-themed warm-up jerseys before the game on Friday against the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, what should be noted is that the Rangers did advertise that they'd be done in jerseys that have rainbow-themed stick tape, uh, and that would all be as part of Friday Night, which would be their their Pride Night celebration um, as part of the, obviously, the quality and... Um, you know nhl's we play or you play um as part of that um i mean dave you know the, the there's arguments out there to say that um you know that 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 it's because of what happened uh with um ivan Povarov um refusing to wear that that's kind of opened up the flight floodgates and there's speculation around whether or not rangers decided not to wear them there's no real reason why in terms of what the decision was to, and reasons given for Personally, think that's unfair to Pavarov. Um He had clear and concise reasons why he couldn't. Um, for an entire team just to go, nah, makes no sense. Um, that starts to think of things of you know um, narrow-minded and you know not. They're not an inclusive organization. They're. Um, they're uh, anti uh, uh, pride and stuff. You know, when you when it's an organization um, that does it, that's when you start to have concerns. A person can have uh, an individual can have uh, a reason. May it be religious, um, religious rights or, or or whatever. But an organization, they have to. Um, it's sort of a bit more, it's not even grey, it's dark whenever they do that. You know, it's, um, it is different when an organization does it, if you know what I mean, because they're doing it on behalf of all their players, which means that their players no longer have a voice. And that's what Pride was about, um, especially this particular Pride. Uh, it's hockey's for everyone. You know, it's the uh, show, um, you know, everyone goes out and puts on their the, the colors and they promote. Um, and then they use those jerseys as well. They're auctioned and they're sold off to make more money. And they're, it's a whole big ecosystem that uh, generates an awful lot of money for for uh, for charity. Um, and when an organization steps in and says, or doesn't even say anything, just doesn't do it, you'd be wanting to ask a lot of questions. Um, and again, this silence is probably worse than a bad statement, um, you know, without a reason. Uh that's one thing as we talked about in the last one was that you know 
the Pavarov situation could have been a hell of a lot better if everyone had got together and talked about that a week, two weeks before the game. Yeah. And put a statement out before the game. Um, and may it have been that he had sat out the warm up or done something different, you know, God knows. But for a, an entire organization just to go, they're not doing it. It's a bit strange. What was, interest, what was interesting was, though, that, you know, obviously it was advertised as their Pride game. They still kind of, you know, obviously um, NYC Pride, which is the charity who was obviously um, benefiting from the game in terms of, you know, um, stuff that was being done that weekend um, or that game uh, was, got, you know, was obviously going to benefit New York Pride as a, as a charity organization. And New York Pride did were there for a cer- ceremonial puck drop. Um, they took part in that there was there was a rainbow themed um if you've ever been in um if you've ever been in the square madison square gardens there's a ring of lights around the the central part that flash around and they spin around and they, they kind of interact and stuff they were all lit up as a rainbow there was rainbow flags and stuff as part of that on the ice as part of the ceremonial puck shop um but as they said themselves you know um the majorly the lgbtq plus community in new york um, and beyond are very disappointed in the fact that they made the decision not to wear those pride jerseys in the rainbow tape for whatever reason even though it had been advertised that, that was going to be done um you know, strange. it's very strange. It's um, very strange. The only thing to be, the only thing I can think of is, were they not ready? They had posted. They had posted about them. Um, there's oh, photos they? of them. They had been posted about, um, you know, what they were were supposed to be. And actually, uh, one of the players, unnamed, two unnamed players, um, as part of this, um, part uh, part of this story and what I read here. Two players uh, from the team who di- who weren't named said that they were surprised as anyone. They got to the arena that night and they were just told that they weren't going to be wearing the uniforms as uh, originally um this, that was originally planned. Um, so sure. they they were they were in the same point where they were like, we don't know why it was decided that we wouldn't be wearing it. There was some decision around. There was some discussion around, but again, this is all hearsay, and I guess we'll, we'll never really truly know. There was some discussion around that uh, there was one or two players who maybe didn't want to wear the jersey after what had happened and before in flat in the in the case of, you know, the Flyers case, um, and as such, then they decided they wanted to opt out, and because of that, um, there's there was conversations had or there's rumors around to say that the higher ups in the Rangers team. And the Rangers yeah. back bench had decided, well, we'll do it as a team thing rather than singling out single players to come under fire for their decisions. Don't know. To be fair, I think they, 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 if they can justify their decisions, then it's not an issue. It's the fact that they're, are they hiding behind the organization to hide their own personal questionable beliefs? Yep. It's different between, you know, having a religious reason and being able to articulate that as a, an intelligent adult or, um, taking the cards away and just hiding behind a organization statement, which is an awful can statement, which you only find there. Um, in keeping with our organization's core values, we support everyone's individual right to respect, respectfully express their beliefs. I mean, it doesn't, that, that doesn't tell me anything. It doesn't tell me any it's reason. Awful, it's, yeah, it, it doesn't give me any reason. It doesn't tell me any dis- reason. It doesn't give me anything about why a decision was made at the very last minute, even though you'd advertised something um, to decide to go against that and not follow through with something. I, 
we'll never find it because the, the, let's be honest the rangers won't put anything else out and because we're now a couple no. of days removed from that past weekend um it's just going to be all put to the side but i think the fact that uh, the nhl um one of the big supporters in the nhl of the uh you can play and the lgbtq movement is uh brian burke uh he still has a big say and big pull within the nhl and he has come out this weekend he has condemned the fact that this has happened and he said that there needs to be more stuff there's gonna have to be something bigger done over the break uh the summer break to address um the decisions that have been made this season um especially with the nhl not coming forward with uh stamping down harder and also the fact that this has happened so uh interesting to see and i'm sure that story will pop up again maybe later in the season at some point um dave my last story then um and again this is just something quickly just um something we had already talked about uh and fits kind of in this period because it's not really uk related it's it is uk related but it's not uk related because it's international related um we've already mentioned it but uh, obviously the elite ice hockey league is going to be taking a break uh that weekend of uh valentine's day um as part of while team gb um will be taking part in euro ice hockey challenge um this is the first time maybe i'm wrong dave you can keep me right if i if i am but i think this is the first time that they have done a mid-season international break is yep. that what i'll be right in saying um, i'm 99 percent yeah yeah so team B, team gb which is uh coached uh which is being led by pete russell um has named his 31 player squad for the euro ice hockey challenge uh coming up next uh in two weeks time uh team gb's roster is uh headlined by um forward liam kirk who missed out the previous international window with lower body injury uh and a hand there's a handful of first-time selections uh for newly eligible elite league players um the the um Team GB's roster for the hockey for the Euro Ice Hockey Challenge includes five players based overseas, um, as well as then the rest revolving around uh, the Elite League and the NIHL, uh, being represented by Milton Keynes. Um, the one of the big ones um, for that has drawn a bit of attention is the fact that Scott Conway um, has been one of the notable omissions from the squad this time around. Um, the Belfast forward had uh, decided to set out this challenge, this Euro Ice Hockey Challenge. He did put out a statement uh, just stating that for any, everyone who's wondering why I'm not playing for Team GB this year, hockey takes toll on players mentally and physically and I just need some time to rest. 27-year-old retweeted uh, tweeted out to say that the season this year has been intense and he would actually appreciate the recovery days as they are much needed at this time. Uh, Luke, Luke Ferrara as well is another forward who is noticeably absent as well. Um, Russ, no real reason given as to why he is absent from this. Uh, Scott Russell, or uh, Russell was asked, Coach Pete Russell um, has been asked about um, when he was naming his players, um, you know, what he thought about it. And he just said that obviously this international break um, is a great opportunity to evolve uh, hockey within the great britain um building on what has already been done um so far to the stage with world championships in the hope that this can strengthen and improve things especially going into the tournament later in this season um obviously that will um that's a bigger tournament uh, the world championships later on around about april may time the four teams that will take part in team gb will be japan poland romania and team gb um as part of that WHF world championships so that'll be the weekend of the 10th and 12th that'll be taking place in nottingham 
Um, Team GB, the the teams themselves, just for a notable, uh, just from just for some information, if you haven't seen it, um, just from Belfast Giants' point of view, obviously as Belfast Giants fans, um, we do have a couple of players represented on the ice for that. Um, we have um, let me just get my bearings again when I look at this because I just opened larger and it threw me off. We have Ben Lake, um, playing Lewis Hook, playing uh, both forwards, um, playing from Belfast Giants for Team GB, and for the first time, which took me by surprise, are um, that I did not even know qualified for Team GB is Sam Rip, who is playing in defense um, for the first time for Team GB. Did you know? I, I didn't know. I didn't. I think it's a uh, sort of repatriation or something. He's decided yeah. to possibly. I don't know. <laughs> and then obviously then we also, we also have the battle of the netminders there uh, for team gb we have ben bounds in for the card of devils um we have jordan Healy as well from mk lightning um but we also have jackson whistle um belfast giants uh number well tandem goalie i suppose with best garani um but jackson has had a fantastic season so it'll be interesting to see belfast how giants that, gb number one you know. belfast giants gb number one indeed <laughs> um, so we'll see how that goes and we'll keep a a, a, a side eye on that anyway because obviously there will be no hockey here here, uh in, in, in I, I hope uh, so. hope Jackson gets a good chunk of ice time at the end of the day he is the the next step in GB's uh netminding yep so you would hope you would get especially with it being a you know a friendly in essence um you would this I would hope you would get quite a bit of ice time um not enough to get injured but you know it's enough to exactly we hope everyone we hope all players who are playing uh, particularly Belfast Giants players more so we hope that everyone stays health, fit and healthy um, and there's no injuries picked up over the course of that tournament 100%. fingers crossed hopefully I haven't jinxed anyone Dave I think that is me <laughs> with all my stories yep yeah, and with that said I think we are done for period two and we will move on to period three Okay, welcome to Period 3 on our general knocky news. Knocky news. Thanks. Um, obviously, John's not here, so I thought I would do that because it's so weird doing that period, but yeah. Um, Dave, I just have two little stories just to finish off um, this actual podcast itself for the actual episode. Nothing after these two stories, which is very strange to say. Really? I know. Weird. Um, first up, I just wanted to put up, uh, was this one that was doing the rounds um, on social media this week? Um in a few of the the newsstands as well um and i came up on my tiktok i came up on tic- yes i am on tiktok and i do watch tiktok videos You're on TikTok. i'm on tiktok i do watch video tiktok videos i don't do tiktok videos i don't do dances or anything but i do watch tiktok videos <laughs> and this one came up um as part of that because obviously if you if you're on tiktok and i don't know how your your for you page the first page i don't know how it populates stuff but obviously clearly i watch a lot of hockey things because i get a lot of hockey videos on my first page um but there this past week at uh, new york Islander star brock nelson um took matters into his own hands whenever he was hit in the face uh during this during an nhl game um new york islanders player uh was uh facing off on monday night uh, against the toronto maple leafs game um in which um they were hammered um 5-2 um but nelson was caught in the mouth by uh, nylander stick um as he tried to clear the puck from the defensive zone to the point where he dislodged the 31 year old's tooth um so it was slightly wobbling it was moving around and as he retired to the bre- the bench briefly nelson was videoed or there's a the, the camera stayed on him as he was playing around with his tooth a bit and he just literally just went and yanked the tooth out just literally pulled his tooth out um 
just a pure hockey move. Doesn't even take his eye off the play. Doesn't even worry. Doesn't even worry about it. Like just rips that tooth out, gets back on the ice and just ready to go again. Um, Hands it to the equipment manager and says, we'll put that in later. Yeah, literally (laughs) the most hockey thing, the most hockey of hockey things. And that's why I put it in because the the responses that people were saying on Twitter and and TikTok, especially people maybe who don't really, aren't really aware of, or maybe aren't followers as much of hockey as what we are, or just aren't hockey followers at all. We're just like, this is hardcore. (laughs) This guy just literally ripped out his tooth into the play. Um, It was like, and then I did see comments from other people who were maybe soccer fans who were all like, uh, a player who had their tooth missing, they'd be down holding their face, crying, looking for, I'm like, yep, we're just, they're just made of different things. Um, (laughs) but it was, uh, it was an interesting, it was very interesting, um, response and people's responses online for that has been quite funny, but I just thought I would add that in. Um, just if you haven't seen it, uh, do take a wee quick look. Um, it's just a pure hockey thing. It's just the epitome of hockey right there. Uh, the last story um, the man from the boys never hang with <laughs> that's it this last story is a story actually we talked about we were waiting for shall we say um this is of course the annual uh hershey bears teddy bear toss so we talked about the teddy bear toss um normally these these are historically take place during the um christmas festivities or the holiday period uh, in december time however it was decided this year that the as part of the ahl um uh, the ahl this year decided to kind of spread out the 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 whole teddy bear toss thing number number of teams doing it at different parts of the season so we had teams taking part in it during the christmas festivity period we had people then teams like the hershey bears who've decided to move it to uh the january period just after that main period of um christmas and stuff so this year they were well known um the hershey bears probably and the reason why we're bringing them up is because they're probably the most well-known annual teddy bear toss across the whole of hockey world um you anybody who's anybody or anybody who follows hockey in any way will know of the Hershey Bears and the tradition of this annual teddy bear toss simply because the numbers that the that it draws the thousands and thousands of stuffed creatures bears teddies everything you can think of um becomes ridiculous in the number of um just a sheer amount and up until this year the Hershey Bears had already held the um record um of um well 52,341 last season was the record that they had last season in total there's been 322,000 bears thrown on the ice and the tradition did start in 2001 however this year fans threw over 67,000 bears onto the ice from the stands um now what was controversial is that the 2023 giant teddy bear toss while it set a new world record it was also a bit bittersweet because we have talked about this before where you have teams who are doing teddy bear tosses. The tradition is that once the home team scores their first goal, all hell breaks loose, teddies come onto the ice, clear it as quickly as possible. That's the tradition. However, in the case of this game, unfortunately, the Hershey Bears were losing right up to the last few dying seconds of the game and lost the game 2-0 didn't actually score a goal so the fans decided to take basically take it into their own hands and with about seven eight seconds left in the game to go 
start chucking those burrs onto the ice. Uh, so while it wasn't uh, the result that the Bears really probably wanted from that game, uh, it was still a massive result for them in the fact that they have continued their ways of keeping that record going, uh, having significantly recorded 67,309 teddy bears tossed onto the ice. The video of it is online. Go take a look. The photos are phenomenal. And just what do you do with that sheer number? It's just crazy fantastic charities uh, being supported there uh, obviously one there that uh, jumps out to me with my with my boys is the autism society for greater harrisburg area um lovely to see that uh, charities like that getting support um publicly um which is great we don't get to see it an awful lot in uh, in sport so. no so congratulations again to the, t- the gang the, the guys there in uh, Hershey Burge for such a great uh, charity again and a great um, I suppose just great collection um, keep it up uh, even if you did lose but yeah keep it up fantastic um, Dave that takes us to the end of this week's episode um, so just a short one Jeez, from us I know quick one from us um, hopefully um, not that there's anything wrong with it just being the two of us but hopefully uh, in our next recording our next podcast in two weeks time um, we'll see maybe the other two boys have returned we never know um, we we, yeah. we uh, will we'll hope that will happen uh, one thing I forgot the to note recording. The, well, the thing, early recording was obviously three off the blogosphere, so we have no questions. Clearly, uh, and also because I didn't put anything on our social media today to ask for anything, so um, I completely forgot, didn't have time. Um, the one thing I did forget to mention was obviously um, just going back to period one, um, was obviously the Belfast Giants. We talked about the Belfast Giants versus the Guildford Flames for the, in the semi final. Belfast Giants have moved on to the final for um, the Challenge Cup. We don't have a date for that yet, but we believe it will be, well, we, we believe it will be March at some point, maybe early March. And the Giants will be hosting that final in the SSE Arena. Um, so hopefully by the time it comes to the next recording, we will kind of have dates and we'll know when that will happen. Um, for anybody who's listening, there'll be nobody listening to our podcast who's in the who's in the know and who can control anything. But if anybody out there in the Giants, Giants community who does have any pull or any say or can have a conversation with someone in the SSE, could I just ask that you don't do it the week of the St. Patrick's week? So that week of the whatever it is, the 15th or that, that week, please don't put it on that week. Um, I'm not around. I'm, I'm actually away and I don't want to miss the final game. So um, I'm going to just put it out there now that I hope I'm going to just pick up the date that I kind of want. So uh, if you could maybe make it, if you could maybe make it the 8th, the 8th, 8th of March, please. Um, that would be fantastic. Um, I don't think there's any games on that night and I don't think Sheffield have any games that week either. So um, 8th of March, if, if it would be preferable thanks and with that we will close off this week's episode as usual you can uh, check out all of our content from this episode on our website I hope um, someone will put it up there so I can fill it in uh, at door14hockey.com you can check out this week's episode as well as episodes from previ- previous weeks um, and check out all of those content check up on social media follow us give us a like uh, comment send us questions on social media all social media welcome so twitter facebook and instagram also tiktok i should mention this because but we don't put anything on there door for at door 14 hockey uh whatever you're listening to our podcast on your podcast provider of choice uh don't forget to give us a like or a review um it helps with the algorithm or something and pushes us up and stuff and would be really grateful for that um dave with that we will close off this week's episode i'm marty i'm dave Have a great week.